I am back here today with both. Uh, well, I guess we're here. here we, we are go. here, yeah. and I'm with Christian. And uh, this is Beyond Sunday, and we are. We're excited to today to be back. Uh, just thinking through the amazing ideals of Scripture, the truth of it, and uh, but not just to sit around and, and talk about those ideals, but to have a discussion in which we see that inside the context of a local church, Cornerstone, inside of friendships, is that that is the best way to begin to truly learn what it means to live and to follow after uh, King Jesus. So we're excited today. We've been talking through Obviously, First Thessalonians, that's mm-hmm. kind of been our main thrust. We've also included in a podcast that you got to catch in which there's Robin and Val and Lisa. They did one, I thought, that just kind of building off of what Christian preached on back from First Thessalonians 4. Mm. But we're really, we're really excited just about this opportunity to, to engage and to talk as a local church. If you're somebody from a different local church, uh, we're glad to have you. But this really does kind of revolve around what God is doing in Simi Valley through a local church in Southern California. So, well, what we've been kind of wrestling through is First Thessalonians, like I said, <clears throat> and we're into chapter five. Uh, Christian kind of launched us off and he finished in verse 11 with this idea of not only encouraging one another, but he also had this statement, which I think he did so well of just saying, this carries over now into the rest of what Paul's talking about in verse 11, if we're supposed to build one another up. And then the week after that, we talked about how does the church build one another up? Well, they do it through these leaders and these followers, the leaders we kind of called this this idea of maybe spiritual parenting and, and, and spiritual children and how they engage together, what these leaders are supposed to look like, but also then how the church is supposed to interact together all the way down through verse 15. But he has this statement in verse 13, this be at peace, in that concept of peace, I think we sometimes think of, you know, everything's just good and floating through life well, but so much bigger than that is that it's God's people living as he intended, truly living out our character as image bearers in the world that we're we're called to live in in this time. And so it's a beautiful, I think, way of kind of describing beyond just a state of mind, but a true way in which we're designed to live. But now we're moving from that into something that uh, this weekend when I talked about it, which is so important, this idea of the, the need and the necessity of kind of rhythms and practices that happen within a local church, not just in general, but man, as we gather together, there's this way in which the church, as it gathers together, is one group of people. And so we talked about rejoicing. We talked about Mm -hmm. praying. We talked about giving thanks. But the power of that is how the Spirit of God uses that as the means of collectively now shaping His people into the people that He's called them to be as they gather together. Yeah, I love how you pointed out how those those commands of rejoicing and giving thanks and and praying, it doesn't come, it doesn't come across as clearly in English, but they're not singular commands. I think I know for a lot of us these are these are verses that were on the short list of things we were told and taught to memorize. Really powerful verses, but again, in personal memorization, I I know for myself, my primary lens can be yeah, these are things that I do as an individual. But I love the way you pointed out that, no, this is when God's people are gathered together. This is like the steady diet of what we do when we're together. Yeah. And I think those rhythms where this, and again, this is why it's so important when we're talking about, those rhythms are necessary in us being who God has called us to be, right? To truly build one another up. The, that need to gather together in this way and to have these ongoing rhythms and practices 
are so essential to who we are as people. That's how the Spirit of God moves in and through the life yeah. of his people to accomplish it. Spencer, you had a thought. No, it was the question. I mean, Christian just alluded to it of going, I guess you just made a statement of saying this is a, these are the corporate rhythms. And I guess the question I would have is, I mean, Christian just alluded to the, there's a, a second person plural reality to this. It's mm -hmm. not individually, but it's y'all doing this. But is it y'all doing this on your own? Or is this like, where do you see the collective reality to it? Because I, I hear what you're saying, but, <clears throat> but going, man, just kind of help me see that here. Cause I, I think it's there, but I want to believe it, but I want to yeah. see it too. Well, let me, let me look, can we save that for the next section? Well, you're Let in charge. Talk about so. the idea. <laughs> I like to think I am. <laughs> but I think just off the front end, like, and we'll get to that, is that I, I want for all of us to understand, because I think Paul wants us to understand, this is so essential. And I'll make my case here in a little okay. bit. No, that's good. And then I guess the other question is, as we're framing this out, like we do so often, like in this first section we're talking through, why does this section matter? If it is indeed a corporate call to like these rhythms and patterns, so what? Like, yeah. why does it matter for us in Simi Valley at Cornerstone Church right now? Yeah, well, I would, I would say this, and I can't wait to talk about the application section mm -hmm. of it more, but we will never be the people God intends us to be, not only individually, but also collectively, right? Mm -hmm. To be the church, to be the body of Christ, the representative of, of King Jesus on this world, we will never be that apart from this. Yeah. Like these practices, and again, we'll talk more about it, but these practices are essential to us being shaped and molded and formed. And I don't think it's just in 1 Thessalonians 5. I think it's mm -hmm. in Ephesians 5. Mm -hmm. I think the command to be filled with the Spirit is a collective reality, not an individual reality. I think the realities that we talk about, like in Philippians 4, right? Do not be anxious about anything. It's not actually individually he's talking about there. I think it's yeah. talking about a collective reality, meaning I'm not supposed to work these things out in the privacy of my own home and then at the very end of it go, oh, okay, I got it figured out and I got a tale of victory. We're supposed to actually work it out in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the conflict. And so what Paul's saying is, no, when we gather together, it's a, it's the bringing these, these realities where we're at in life and allowing us as God's people to get in this shared rhythm together yeah. in who we are. Yeah, and I, I would want to just make sure that we don't lose sight of where we ended, where the section Christians said of going, this is the way we build. This is one of the essential components yeah. of how we build one another up is through this corporate rhythm and such. As long as you can establish that as an, indeed a corporate call. I'll do my best. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's take time and let's, uh, let's look through the ideals a little bit. All right, Todd, you just laid the table in a, in a pretty bold way. Um, you establish that, okay, this is coming out of that section of how we build one another up and saying these are essential rhythms. And you said in the in the first section that, that we'll never be the church that God wants or intends us to be if we view this as as individual only kind of kind of commands or mm -hmm. you know imperatives there. And I think we all see that because they are indeed second person plural of going to y'all. But I guess the question I would have is, one, establish how you see this as being more of a corporate calling and not sure. just a bunch of like, hey, you guys do this on your own, but it's given to everybody, but kind of manifested at, you know, all of you guys do it, but do it on your own. Yeah. And when I say a gathering, it doesn't have to be like a building that holds a thousand people. It can be a, you know, a home church because that's what he would have been writing to. But yeah. in some way, God's 
gathered people, just so we know that. I don't yeah. want people to think it has to happen at, only at 2080 Winifred. But you've already kind of hit to one part of it, is that we know it's a y'all reality. Mm -hmm. I mean, all throughout this text, it's just y'all, 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 y'all. Yeah, wherever Every, we see you, it's actually y'all. And even where we don't see you, you guys know this when we study Greek, is that within a command like pray without ceasing, it's actually more, it's y'all pray without ceasing, mm -hmm. right? So it's yeah. a it's built into the verbs. We don't necessarily see it all the time in English. Yeah. But it's just it's just a it's constantly this idea of y'all. Yeah. To get nerdy for a second, there's not always the pronoun you in there, but the case and form of the verb will will have laid within it. This is a second person plural reality. Yeah. Then also, like when you get down into verse 20, we see this idea of prophecy, right? And we know this when we look at other texts of scripture, that prophecy was had within it this idea that would be a gathered reality, mm -hmm. that when God's people are gathered together, especially you see this in like 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, is that this is the place in which prophecy is supposed to take place. Mm -hmm. So Paul even gave realities of how that's supposed to work its way out. When you get down to like verse 26, we see this idea of the holy kiss. Um, the holy kiss wasn't just supposed to happen anywhere. Actually, guys like Ralph Martin, who's like a, a New Testament scholar that's worked through how worship service was supposed to be done together. Even a lot of a, a dude named Gordon Fee, who's a, a, just a New Testament scholar. They kind of showed how this reality is is mimicking and showing. And, and then even the way Paul finishes, he says, I want my letter to be read to the congregation. Yeah, yeah. And so from that, they saw these little clues and they begin to see, wow, this fits way better in the context of what an, an, an old or a New Testament early church would have had as like the way in which a normal yeah. gathering of God's right. people would have carried itself out. Yeah, you're, you're, not, kiss, have, you're not kissing yourself. <laughs> which is really strange if you did. Yeah. Well, it's also, you wouldn't have your own personal copy of, of Paul's letter to read over with your morning cup of coffee. As right. much as I love reading my Bible in the morning with a cup of coffee, this letter would have been given to be read to the... So, yeah. so even then, to think about the first time that the believers in Thessalonica are hearing these words is probably in a home gathered together for the purpose of hearing this mm -hmm. and therefore receiving, hey, all of us sitting here making eye contact as we're hearing this letter read. Oh yeah, we're to rejoice always. Yeah. We are to pray without ceasing. It's the it's the same setting in which they hear the words. Yeah, but what's crazy is they out. probably would have already had in some ways an established rhythm of what their gatherings would have looked like. So they probably would have already had a time of rejoicing. Yeah. They probably would have already had times of prayer. Yeah. They would have already had times of 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 thanksgiving, which is where we even get our word Eucharist, you know, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper from Thanksgiving. They would have had these things going on and then the letter would have fit fit into that particular reality. But Paul really was laying out this idea of something so special that would happen when God's people gather together. And so I think that just to answer your question, I think that really is the context of why um, guys like Gordon Fee, John Stott, yeah. like these scholar guys go, oh, no way. Like no, this is what the normal okay. pattern of a gathering would have looked like. But it's it's not just, and, and I, I'm going to preempt your, your question maybe, but it's not just describing. It is prescribing. Wow, you were assuming. Mm. Is that prophetic? It might have been <laughs> no. prophetic. That's for, that's for next week. <laughs> but it is really, I think it really, Paul is now as a command, right? He's not saying, hey, here's what happened. He's saying, no, I want this to happen. Yeah. This is essential when the church gathers for this to happen. And that was why even during the service, I made us redo the whole thing over again and go, 
okay, do you understand what we're doing right now? That when we're we're rejoicing, which I, I think, and again, the, the Bible's full, the, the, the rejoicing comes from a place of praise. We see the greatness, the goodness of God, and the outflow of that is this rejoicing, right? The prayers of God's people, the Spirit of God manifests himself yeah. in and through those prayers. So I guess giving. I'm tracking with you and seeing the the fact that this is not just a a y'all individually do it on your own, but it's to all of you. I think I think I can see how you can get and I think you guys did a pretty convincing job that it is indeed a corporate reality here. But I guess the question then for me is tying what you and Christian did together of going, how does this section, starting with that rejoicing always, how do how what does that look like for us? And then how does that do kind of what Christian did a couple of weeks ago? And how does that build up kind of, mm-hmm. the, you know, kind of the, how does that build us up as a church? I, I, I hit it a little bit and we can talk, there's, there's many things, this, yeah. but I hit it a little bit out of, out of Ephesians five mm-hmm. In Ephesians five, he writes It's that statement in verse 18, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the spirit. And then it's followed up with this long line of things, right? Singing. singing. Yeah. Right. Prayer. Yeah. And, he, and he, so in other words, the, the outflow is the very thing he's talking about here. Yeah. I want you to have joy. I want you to have praise within what you do. He even talks about speaking to mm-hmm. one another, right? Like this idea in which we're going to see maybe prophecy down a little bit. He calls for Thanksgiving. And I think what is happening there, which is so powerful, which I didn't have time to unpack fully. I, I made mention to it. That is the way we are filled with the Spirit, that it's that way in which we align ourselves together for the Spirit of God to, to blow into who we are. It's a, but it's not just an individual thing. I think that's where we miss in Ephesians 5. It's not an individual thing. It's a corporate aligning ourselves together. So the Spirit of God, you know, that's what, what filled means, fills His people. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like, a, like a, a, a sail, it comes mm-hmm. into it and fills and so the way that we now line ourselves up is we speak to God and to one another yeah. these realities. And that creates, the Spirit of God creates a collective shared heart, which I think that's that's powerful. And I think that's even what's going on in Philippians 4. As they truly get together, right? And they're not anxious about anything, but in mm-hmm. everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Present your request Present to your request to God. Can- and the... Peace again. Peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Y'all's hearts. Yeah. So so what you guys are just saying, if I'm tracking, maybe it's, maybe we, you're saying the practice sometimes will shape your heart, where I think most of us go, no, if we have the right information first, then our action will follow that. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, no, no, sometimes... At least in this section in First Thessalonians, Paul's saying, "No, no. Sometimes do the right action, do the right mm-hmm. thing, create the right rhythms or structures, and you know what? Your heart's gonna gonna follow that, and your thinking's yeah, gonna follow you, that." You and I talked yeah. about, and we stole this from James Smith, right? Like this idea that he really builds out of of Matthew six that where your treasure is, right? So we got to set our treasure out there, mm-hmm. and I think through praise, through prayer, and that's why I kept talking about. I use the idea of treasure. Right, it's the we place our treasure out there, and our hearts may not be there yet, but I believe in that moment of praise, of of prayer, of thanksgiving, our hearts now finally are drawn to what the treasure is. So you're exactly right. We first have to go out there. We got to put these things in practice, 
so that our hearts might follow, which again, I know is so maybe counterintuitive the way we've been taught. But it's really freeing because it allows you to work both directions. Right? Yes. I think that's what's so powerful about it. And probably the way that, that it's helpful to me because it rhymes is to think of these <laughs> these actions as both normative for believers when we're gathered together and formative. They, they, they are the normative things we regularly do and they do form us. us. They do begin to now train and, and, and build us up. Yeah. I guess it's going to have to wait till the next section, but this is such a struggle for me hmm. because the way I got, grew up since becoming a believer was it just, this sounds a lot like just addressing behaviors. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so averse to like just behavior <laughs> modification. And for it's sure. like, oh, that's evil or something like this and going, no, no, sometimes it's actually okay to focus on your behavior and trusting that your heart and mind will follow. Yeah. Up until this point, it's like, I've always been like, no, you got to get the right information so that your heart will change. Then maybe downstream someday in the future, you might do something. And right. I think that that is the downside of a Western thought, individualistic mm -hmm. thought. Or the flat side, the weak side, right? It's like, yeah, information is always going to be essential to it's, this. It's, it's going to be absolutely essential. Yeah. But there's that side of it where it's the only way, mm -hmm. right? Versus like, no, actually the practice of this, this reality, especially in the corporate gathering in which now you may come in Spencer with a heart totally ready to praise. I'm not. Yeah. <clears throat> and yet in a powerful way, you build me up as you beckon me to praise. And in my head, I know he is praiseworthy, but it might take me a little while to get there. My our, But again, it's not just so that your sale individually right, is aligned right, right. and my sale, but our collective sale, we are filled with the Spirit. Yes. Right. But doesn't that just speak to the the growth? I mean, maybe again, we're jumping into the next section, but that just speaks to like the grossness in my own heart of going, well, I don't feel like doing X. I don't feel like rejoicing or I don't feel like, praying. you know, praising, you know, or whatever these, these rhythms in this liturgy that, that Paul's kind of laying out here of going, I don't feel like it. So I'm not going to do it yeah. and going, well, no, sometimes do it. And then you might start feeling like it. And I think that's the freedom that we have. Again, I think in, in the, the new covenant reality that now through the spirit, our, our hearts can be transformed. We are freed and sometimes to, to not have to wait for our emotions and our desires to get in line, but to 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 lead in dependence upon the Spirit, lead our emotions and desires to connect with what's true. I think C.S. Lewis <clears throat> talked about this in one of his essays in Mere Christianity, this idea that like loving your neighbor, where sometimes it's like, even if I don't feel loving toward <laughs> my neighbor, if out of just sheer obedience of will, yeah. not of a desire, I say, I'm going to seek to act lovingly toward my neighbor. Well, what you'll probably end up finding is wow, now this is actually encouraging more positive thoughts toward this person. Yeah. I think this is something maybe sometimes, I remember um, Tim Keller writing something about this, where sometimes the nature of pastoral ministry and pastoral counseling is that you end up spending a lot of time with people that you wouldn't normally choose to spend time with. And sometimes you spend time with people in the midst of really ugly situations in their life, really hard or broken situations in their life. And there is this amazing thing of having to step into those those situations, not because first and foremost you're drawn to that person, um, but you you are you are drawn to seek to, to to fulfill your role to care for them, yeah, to build them up, to build them, yeah, and you five eleven, right? and you find along the way like a true appreciation <laughs> growing, a true sense of wow, I, I I don't only see this person in light of this area of weakness or brokenness in their life, but I also see these other aspects of them that there's something about the 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 action. To say whether my desires and my my emotions are properly aligned or not, 
Father, I'm going to seek to follow you and not be so bound by actions and emotions. And, and I mean, even Martin Luther talked about that one time about his heart being cold to the mm -hmm. things of God. And then he gathers together with God's people. And through just that interaction with the body, he finds that, that high fire in his heart reignited, right? Yeah. That's this cool thing. As we do this, we encourage one another. And yeah, and I think what's up. so powerful here is it's not an individual thing alone. Yeah. It's a collective shared heart, right? Which he, you know, he says in there, and this is the will of God for you yep. in Christ Jesus, right? Like this is what I want you to be doing. And again, whether you even understand it or not, whether you know how my spirit works in and through you, I want you to align those sails together so that when my spirit blows in amongst you, you will be, you will represent me well. You will build each other up in what you're doing. And so I think it's just, I, I, I'm starting to gain a greater appreciation. And you said the word liturgy, but like these practices, these liturgical yeah. practices of that we set in motion, that every, every time we gather should be there. Mm -hmm. And if they're not there in a weird way, we're, we're losing out on being collectively filled that we might be the people God intends us to be, to have that true peace mm -hmm. that I think he talks about in Philippians 4. Yeah. So I'll be honest, you guys did a good job con convincing me here, kind of okay. building this out. Um, but I, I do have a ton of questions then because this is, this just leaves so much on the table of going, okay, so if, if this is what Paul's calling us to, I think you guys convinced me at least. I don't know if convinced anybody else, but <laughs> you know. But going, I, I still have then, okay, so then so many questions about why this is difficult or why, if this is indeed prescriptive and what we're supposed to be doing and these practices and rhythms should be normative and formative for the church, do we see them regularly? I don't know. Maybe we can talk about that in the next section. Yeah, let's just do, because I think that'd be a great place to talk about it as because now we're not talking even just about us individually. We're talking about us corporately, right? <clears throat> and so, yeah, let's, let's talk about that in the next section. All right, Spencer. So we were just having an in-between discussion, and I thought, like, you... I just want to, before we forget the thing, and we have a lot of other discussions here, <laughs> maybe could you just tell us, uh, kind of everybody, so everybody catches what you were saying, just about this idea of we're moving somewhere. So help us kind of get that thought you were just laying out to both Christian and Oh, I. man, you hijacked. I had questions first. You guys no, had... no way, <laughs> man. I, I, I came one. out with a question before you had time. <laughs> Seriously, well, you guys well would have been here. I clapped my hands and I said, let's go. <laughs> no, I think the, the, the issue here is going, if this is indeed formative and normative to, mm -hmm. to use your language, Christian, uh, rhymey, rhymey. Um, <laughs> Prescriptive rhymes with it too, kind of if. Wow. Okay. Um, but if this is indeed shaping us, right, and, and these liturgies are, are intended to build us up so that we both individually and collectively reflect jesus better and grow into him more i think the myth that we all have to address is that there's no such thing as neutrality mm. the practices and rhythms of our lives if i can even use i think the language you and i've used christian is the liturgies of our life whether it's going to the grocery store going to the mall going to dodger games going to kids sporting events you know driving the 405 or trying not to um <laughs> Those are all things, the schedules and rhythms in our life are either going to build us up towards Jesus or they're not, but there is no neutral. And so I think that has to be addressed as we're wrestling through this issue of going, 
man, we have to prioritize rhythms and patterns that will build us up towards Jesus. Yeah. And not just individually. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that's like, sometimes we can begin to think that, well, no, I'm, I've got, I, I read my Bible, I pray, I mm-hmm. write a lot of the individual, which are great individual. We want, we, 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 we fully affirm those rhythms. Mm-hmm. But I think you're really arguing more than just individual rhythms. Yes. But even those shared corporate rhythms that are so necessary to us. Well, shared and prioritized, right? Of yeah. going, and I, what I don't, what I think probably the, the bigger issue is all the things that are shaping us that we think are neutral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And going, there is no such thing as neutral. Yeah. Things are either causing you to grow in your affection and your ability to reflect Jesus accurately, or they're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no neutral. Because if they're not cultivating that, they're actually harming. Yeah, which, Christian, you can speak to. You kind of brought the idea, like Hebrews 10, yeah. right? Like that's one that we that kind of sparked this this conversation. Maybe just throw out some thoughts yeah. for so in Hebrews 10, is it's it's a beautiful passage, but I think it's one that in some ways is a little battered and bruised over the last couple of years. I'm talking about that part in Hebrews 10 where he says, first he says, let's consider how we might provoke, like, like spur each other on toward love and good deeds. And then he makes that statement, let's not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another more and more as we see the day approaching. And again, that, I, I say it got beat up over the last couple of years because that was kind of the, the token verse that a lot of churches used to, as a way to... To, to, to go against county and state mandates to go back inside their building. See, it says, let's not for, give up meeting together. And, and you know, we, we wrestled through that as elders yeah. ago. That doesn't mean it has to be inside of a building on here in Simi Valley that, that we love getting the opportunity to use. We can meet together in various ways. Backyards we, and yeah. parking lots and all and kinds of places. A certain form of meeting was not the hill to die on, but the, the being together absolutely is essential. And we try to be creative and and honorable toward our governing authorities in the way that we do that. But again, I think that's the, that's, I think the point that, that I think is so powerful here is when you see, when we come up against those things that do put us at a decision-making point between, am I going to go gather together with my church family or am I going to do X to to Spencer's point? Those are not neutral choices. And I think so often, and maybe even for a lot of us that grew up in the church, we are, the way we think through decision-making oftentimes is, is it wrong or is it right? Am I allowed to or am I not allowed to? And Spencer, to your point, it's more that sense of, is this going to help me? Is this, is this something that's going to build me? And also, not just build me up, is this others. something that's going to allow me to participate in building others up into the likeness of Jesus? Yeah, because he doesn't say in 511, build yourself up. Yeah. He says build one another, up, yeah. right? Which is so key. Sorry, I just. So I think that's what's that's what's key about this is if if we leave a church service thinking, okay, did the music wow. excite me? Did the message convict me? Did my kids love climbing the climbing wall in, in room twelve or whatever it is? You know, if if it's such an immediate takeaway that I liked a, a, an impression of it of the of the worship service, that's probably not the best way to evaluate it. It's, it's almost more going. Okay, did did I attend by faith to the things that God's called me to do, believing that the Spirit works through the regular gathering together with God's people as we rejoice and pray and give thanks and do other things, that this will have a cumulative effect in my life and through my life into the lives of others to mold and shape us more into the image of Jesus. Or I will not do that, Mm -hmm. and there will be a different cumulative effect where it moves me 
away from Christ and away from right. Christ likeness. Yeah, because there's no neutral. Yep. Yeah. You can't you can't find a spot in which it, you're going nowhere. So this is where, and I think to what you guys just said, which is why sometimes even if I don't feel yeah. like it or I'm not feeling it, sometimes it doesn't matter what I'm feeling. Yeah. Like just by faith, trust that man. These practices will shape my heart. Yes. Put your treasure out there. See, even if you don't, like you said, even if I don't feel like it, put it out there and trust the spirit of God to bring it along. And I think so often that, that, that language of will, the will of God here, because I'm sure I'm speaking right now and there's people listening to us or there's a certain circumstance, a life situation, a job choice. Do I say yes to this guy that wants to marry me or whatever it is? Lord, what is your will in regard to those things? And we think so often in terms of such a personalized or long-term... Here or it is. even a hidden secret thing that we're trying to find. Yeah. What is the will of God for you? Together with your spiritual family, be regularly, ongoingly rejoicing and praying and giving thanks in all circumstances together as God's people. And the, our attentiveness and faithfulness to what God very clearly says is his will here or what he said back in chapter four. The will of God is, that you have, that is your sanctification by abstaining from sexual immorality. Very clear, blatantly obvious in the text, this is the will of God for us. And whether I feel it or not, do I attend myself to these things, trusting that it will have the long-term effect of my growth and my my spiritual family's growth into the image of Jesus. So if if this is what we're supposed to do, and this is the, well, there's no neutral, regardless mm -hmm. of feeling. I mean, I, I think we're kind of all on the same page on that one. Uh, you guys have kind of won me over. This is a corporate, kind of what Paul's doing here is a corporate uh, calling. Uh, it is both describing what the church should be doing and in some ways was already doing, mm -hmm. but it's also prescriptive in telling churches what they, it should, what should be the normative patterns. So I guess the question I would have is, do we, from your guys' perspective as kind of the two guys that are kind of you know, in a, in a lot of ways, kind of given a lot of shape to what Sunday mornings look like and our corporate gatherings look like. If you were to use this as kind of the assessment measure, mm -hmm. is this, are we doing this? Are we not? Is this more aspirational? Is it more, <clears throat> does that make sense? Or yeah. is that even yeah. fair? I mean, do you guys kind of go? Yeah, you're, you're asking a great question, yeah. which I think is always one of the difficulties of this, right? As you come along a text and so for me personally, like I've come along this text and what we're going to talk about next week when we talk about prophecy, but I think in some ways, some ways there's a correctional reality oh, to sure, this, yeah. right? Where for me, sure, it's asper it's always aspirational because right. we're never going to arrive. There's always this side of it that's aspirational, but do I see it? Yeah, I, I see moments where God's people gather together and we collectively, we sing songs, right? Yes. We, 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 there's prayers. There's these things that you, you can see in here. But I don't know if I've thought it through enough because this is the first time I've kind of landed in this text this way and went, oh, uh-oh, I need to rethink this thing a little bit differently now as one of the shepherds of, of mm -hmm. Cornerstone. And so, no, there's been a huge amount where I'm like, okay, we need to do a better job of even when we do choose to praise God either through speaking or singing yeah. is to make sure that we collectively as a group of people know, hey... Don't forget, like, here we go. We're, we're getting on the same rhythm and the same page, no matter where we are. I think even the prayers, it was why, like, I had Dan and John come up and pray this last weekend. It's like, 
is making sure that we have these prayers that yeah. that bring us to dependence upon Jesus because He's our treasure. Yeah. And so it's just, I think like, I don't yeah. know if that makes any sense in no, the way I framed it, but it, it really is, it, it's it's aspirational. But I would say right now, it's much more of a corrective. Yeah, but I think that's the beauty of it. Like for me, it's just, you know, uh, as, a, as a guy in the church, I love the fact that we recognize that we both, I mean, individually, I think we recognize we're all in process, but then recognizing, no, that collectively we as a church family are also in process and that we're open to going, yeah, you know what? We're we're still trying to figure this out. And I, and I love that, you know? I don't know if that... And I, I agree. I think that, um, again, when we talk about different modes, different ways of gathering and different different ways that these these same normative practices play out, I think that there absolutely is something to be said, and we see it throughout Scripture, of one person praying on behalf of the gathered group of people um, wh- that can be very powerful and people join in that prayer more as like listening, like listening and, and saying our amen, our yes, I agree to that prayer. Um, and I think that's probably something that's pretty normative in our worship services. Probably the most thing that we do collectively together is that rejoicing and giving thanks through song. I think there are a lot of times where a representative prays on behalf of the body. Are there ways that we could even play in our our weekend services with more corporate prayer of, of everyone getting to participate in the speaking of prayer to God? I think one thing I love about like in more of like a community group setting, like the one that I lead, is that part giving thanks in all circumstances. I do feel like I have a greater opportunity to, to get a sense of the circumstances of the life of the people in my group when we're sitting in a living room going, hey, what's been going on in your family's life over the last couple of weeks? And again, whether it's something good, something hard, some decision they're wrestling through. Okay, cool. Now let's pray for one another and give thanks because now that in all circumstances, I have a lot of little categories in my mind of the different circumstances represented just amongst the people in that group. Okay, now wherever we're at, wherever we've come from, whatever we're heading into in the next week, let's rejoice and pray and give thanks together. That there may be a little bit more flexibility to do that in a smaller setting, which is why I think that that, that communal shared life is something that's yeah. going to continue to be a normative, formative practice that we encourage the people of Cornerstone to engage into. Yeah, I think across the board, <clears throat> which I think Spencer's why your, why your questions are so good. It's not only the practices of these things, which are important, but even which size of group best fits some yeah. aspects of these practices. Yeah. Right. So like for me to your, in you, what, even what you brought up, there's these things that work best when I have a shared life together, where it's not facing the front singing songs. Again, I'm not mm-hmm. even opposed to that. It's just, you're trying to write, find your right environment but then there's another side when we get to prophecy, you know, next week, I don't think necessarily the large venue might be the best place for certain aspects of how prophecy comes to land on a, on a local church. And so it's, there's multiple facets of just the correcting of our thinking, our wrestling that I think becomes so important to how we work this out. And, and I think like, I know my heart, I know you guys, it's hard mm-hmm. as always, okay, how do we adjust to scripture, not for scripture to adjust to us? Yeah. And that always brings some aches and pains. So when we talk about like praying even corporately on a Sunday morning, that's hard because most there's many people who are like, oh, I didn't come here to do that. Well, you know what? Like, how do we start to train and equip our people just to go, no, this is a great time. doesn't matter who you're around. 
Yeah. Like, let's just, as a group of people collectively share in dependence upon God, this moment as the means of, of edifying the people that are around us and what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Or the difficulty of having one representative, like praying on behalf of whatever, you know, 900 or a thousand or 1500 people going, you know, God, we collectively are confessing that we are yeah. fill in the blank. And sometimes I cock my head sideways and go, well, I'm not doing that, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but going, no, but we collectively are. Yeah. And so oh, it's, man. it's, it's that move to reminding ourselves that we are more than just ourselves individually, but we are indeed part of the, a corporate identity, which is really hard for some of us, Yeah. but going, man, I think corporate prayer, not just personal privatized corporate prayer that is being verbalized publicly, but actually having a representative praying on behalf of the totality of us. Yeah. That's, that's hard, but it's good, but it yeah. helps teach and reframe how I think. And But it forces me to listen, right? It yeah. forces me to when that person is our representative to, to even when maybe from a confession standpoint, I may not feel like it's me mm-hmm. to go, well, no, that, that, that particular person is doing something on behalf of us all. Yeah. Like, and who knows your heart may follow after and go, Oh, you know what? That, that is me. Maybe I didn't think it was me until that person actually said it about us corporately. Yeah. And even if it's not me, it's us. It's representative of us. Because right. I think it, even even something like one person praying in the gathering gives me a cool pra- cool opportunity to practice identifying myself with this family. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes what's great, like to your point, Todd, sometimes in a weird way when that happens sometimes conviction might come after confession. Right. That's <laughs> so true. It's like, whoa, wait, wait, what just happened? That guy confessed sin that I didn't even realize I was struggling with, but well, now I'm aware of it. But how often does that happen? Not very yeah. often for me. Usually <laughs> conviction first. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll draw it to a close right now, but. I just, I love that again, <laughs> the always without seeing, ceasing in all circumstances means these are lifelong practices. Yeah. So to the to the extent that we feel like we we feel them right now, just be faithful to keep yeah. taking steps in this direction together. And again, the cumulative effect in our lives as we seek by faith to yeah. follow God. I think he'll be faithful to that. That is a great way to finish. So in light of that, thank you all for joining us today. Thank you for, yeah, just just being with us on Beyond Sunday. I love the fact that we get some time just as a local church to slow down, think about the amazing ideals of Scripture, but not just to think about them, but to work as a group of people in this local church cornerstone amongst our friendships and how God might land them, and we might be the people to represent Him well. So God bless you all, and we will be back again. Bye.